Hey, everybody, you're listening to A New Beginning, which is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. If this program has impacted you, I'd love to hear from you. So just send an email to me at greg at harvest.org. Again, it's greg at harvest.org. You can learn more about becoming a Harvest Partner by going to harvest.org. Looking for God's will for your life? Want to know your part? Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out where to pour your concentration. Here's what your focus should be on, not on success. Your focus should be on faithfulness, you see. Doing what God has told you to do, wherever it takes you. If it takes you to a palace or a prison cell, all I want to know is Jesus is with me, and I'm in the center of His will, and that for me is the right place to be. Sometimes it can seem as though we're swimming against the current in our life of faith. If it is an opposition and even persecution for what we believe, it's challenges in health or finances or relationships. How do we get through? How have others made it? Well, today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points to the Apostle Paul as our inspiration. We're in the book of Acts considering the trial upon trial Paul faced, but the word of encouragement that pulled him through. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 23 and the title of my message is Christ's Call to Courage. So maybe I'm talking to somebody right now that is filled with anxiety. You're filled with stress. You find yourself depressed. Well, you're not the first child of God to feel this way. In fact, psychologists have coined a new phrase. It's doomsday anxiety. Doomsday anxiety, which includes, quote, the fear or worry about the end of the world or life as we know it. Symptoms include chronic nightmares, an underlying feeling of fear, and an obsession with the news or doom scrolling through online media. Thought that was an interesting phrase, doom scrolling. You know when you're just scrolling the news sites and all this bad news, it just adds stress to your life. Even the great apostle Paul got down at times. So we're going to look at what Jesus said and did to revive the Apostle Paul in this message that I'm calling Christ's Call to Courage. In my last message from the book of Acts that was titled How to Live a Meaningful Life, we saw the Apostle Paul saying goodbye to the elders of Ephesus. It was his final message to them. And he said, I want to finish my race with joy. So he began his journey and he ended up staying with the evangelist Philip, where he encountered a very colorful prophet named Agabus who bound himself up and said, this is what's gonna happen to you, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem. Uh, like, don't go. And Paul's saying, okay, you're being a little dramatic, but okay, I get the point. But I know what you're saying, so you're saying I'm gonna be arrested and I'm gonna be put into chains, right? Yes, that's it, Paul, don't go. And sure enough, when he lands in Jerusalem, he is arrested and he's put in prison. And here's what happened. Here's what the Lord did to encourage his servant. Acts 23, starting in verse nine. 
there arose a loud outcry. And the scribes of the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil against this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Now there arose a great dissension, and the commander, fearing that Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him to the barracks. And the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for you have testified of me in Jerusalem, and now you're going to also bear witness in Rome. We'll stop there. So here is Paul in prison again. I mean, Paul's middle name could have been Trouble. It was always something with him. Everywhere he went, uh, it was either a riot or a revival. There was, there was never a dull day hanging around the Apostle Paul. But I think here, he was probably discouraged. He was probably feeling down. And it's no wonder. He's in a Roman dungeon. And the Lord says to him, Paul, be of good cheer. But actually, if we look at the original language, we find a better translation would be, have courage. And that makes a lot more sense. It's a unique phrase that is used multiple times in the Bible, each one showing a different facet of how to find courage in our lives. The first is the story of a man who was a, a paraplegic in Matthew 9. Uh, he was carried by his friends to Jesus. And Jesus looks at this guy who is unable to walk. And he says to him, be of good courage. Your sins are forgiven. Now the guy was probably thinking, well, I, okay, I, I'm glad my sins are forgiven, but I'd actually like to walk. That was kind of why I was brought here to you. And there's a protest among the religious leaders who can forgive sins but God alone. Oh, I hear what you guys are saying. Jesus says, but just so you know that I, the Son of Man, have the power to uh, forgive sins, I say, your sins are forgiven and get up and walk. And that man got up and walked, but Jesus used this phrase, be of good courage to him. And this is the thing we remember, the forgiveness of Christ brought courage to that man. And we can be crippled by our sins, unable to walk, unable to move, unable to do anything. You know, we fail and we say, I'm a failure. I, I should just stop praying. I don't even, shouldn't even read the Bible anymore or go to church. That's the devil lying to you. Jesus says, be of good courage. Your sins are forgiven you. Don't miss this point. Because I know I'm talking to somebody right now who's crippled by their sin. You don't have to be anymore. You can have a fresh start. This phrase, be of good courage, is used of a woman struggling to get to Jesus in a crowd of people. She had this physical ailment, uh, and she reasoned, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she reaches through, and she touches him, and Jesus stops and says, who just touched me? Well, the fact is, everyone had touched him. Who touched me? He says, for I perceive that power has gone out of me. And there's a woman. And he says to her, be of good courage. You are made whole. So in this particular case, it was his power that gave her courage. My power has gone out of me. And a lot of times we're afraid to share our faith. We're afraid to speak up for what we believe. But there's a promise in the beginning of the book of Acts that we all looked at together, 
where it says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses for me. That same power that was given to the first century causing them to turn their world upside down is available for us today in the 21st century to turn our world upside down. His power gives courage. Number three, the third time this phrase is used is when the disciples are on the storm-tossed sea of Galilee and they thought they were gonna drown and suddenly they see some form coming to them walking on the water and they thought it was a ghost. But it wasn't Casper, it was Christ coming to them. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, be of good courage. It is me. Don't be afraid. So let's review. His presence gives courage. His forgiveness gives courage. His power gives courage. And then here's another point. God knew where Paul was and why he was there. That brought courage as well. Paul, Jesus is saying, buddy, I know you're here and I'm here with you. I'm standing by your side because Paul's probably second guessing his decision. And sometimes we feel like, oh, God's forgotten about me. No, never. He always is aware of us. And, uh, and Paul's in this jail cell. And I'm sure he would have liked to have just got out of that jail cell. I had a lady come up to me this morning before the service started because we have a little meeting of our volunteers that serve us uh, just because they love you. And they're out there helping you park your car, taking care of your children, helping you find a seat and all that. And so they have a little time where they pray and hear a little message. And afterwards a lady came up and said, she has a cousin that's in prison who watches me uh, in prison. And so I said, let's make a video for him. And uh, so we made this little video and I just said to her cousin, you know, Jesus is there with you. And he says to you, be of good courage. And when you get out of that prison, walk with the Lord and serve the Lord. And, and you know, maybe I'm talking to somebody who's literally in a prison cell right now because people watch us online literally all around the world. Or maybe it's a different kind of prison cell. It might be the prison of a hospital bed. You wish you could get up and walk out, but you can't. But Jesus says, hey, be courageous. I'm aware of the suffering you're going through. It could be a prison cell of mourning. You've lost a loved one through death. But he, the Lord is with you and he understands what you are facing. Hebrews 4.16 says, We did not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He was on all points tested as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace and obtain mercy to help in time of need. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Hey everybody, I want to encourage you to check out the new Harvest Plus app. It's on Roku, Apple TV, and Google Play, among others. And you can stream incredible content on all major platforms for free. You're going to find live events, our evangelistic films like A Rush of Hope, Johnny Cash, A Redemption of an American Icon, Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon, and our newest film, Fame. Plus, our TV programs, our podcast, Harvest at Home, and a lot more. Stream it all on any device for free using the new Harvest Plus app. Well, we're presenting one of the most requested messages of the past year. Today's study from Pastor Greg is titled, Christ's Call to Courage. 
Now here's another thing. Paul didn't know what was going on on the outside. But the fact is there were 40 men who had taken an oath to not eat or drink until they killed Paul. Wow. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. I'm glad I don't know of any plot against my life. I'm glad I don't know of every person that dislikes me and says something about me. Uh, I'm glad I don't know all these things, frankly. And it's good Paul didn't know this because that would have been a pretty stressful thing to think about 40 guys who had taken an oath and said they wouldn't eat until they killed Paul. Uh, So you have a bunch of hangry murderers. Uh, Not a good thing. But he didn't know that. You know, in the military, they have a phrase they use. The phrase is, it's on a need to know basis. So everybody doesn't get to know the same thing. It's certain kind of important information that only some people know. God gives us what we need to know on a need to know basis. But here's something Jesus says. Be of good courage, Paul, verse 11. For as you've testified for me in Jerusalem, you'll bear witness in Rome. In other words, Paul, you're gonna get out of this prison cell and you're going to Rome. So here's the takeaway truth. Paul, I have a future for you. And God has a future for all of us as well. Now, of course, if we're honest, we'd have to say that it didn't seem like a great outcome because ultimately, according to church tradition, Paul was martyred by beheading after he appeared to Caesar at some point. Uh, But we would say that was some kind of failure. Well, what is a failure? What is a success? I suggest to you that things we think are successes right now may be understood as failures later. And some things you think are a failure now will turn out to be a success later. Here's what your focus should be on. Not on success. Your focus should be on faithfulness, you see. Doing what God has told you to do, wherever it takes you. If it takes you to a palace or a prison cell, if it takes you to the top or it takes you to the bottom, all I want to know is Jesus is with me and I'm in the center of his will and that for me is the right place to be, for all of us to be. Because in that final day, the Lord does not say, well done, good and successful servant. He says, well done, good and what? Faithful servant. So our objective is to be faithful and obedient to the will of God. I know I quote this verse a lot, but I'm slightly obsessed with it. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I gave my son Christopher a watch on his 21st birthday. It was my watch, I gave it to him. And I had that verse inscribed on the back of the watch. But as you know, he died in a tragic automobile accident. I was given a plastic bag after he died with his belongings, including his wallet and that watch. And I took that watch out of the bag and I looked at it. And I looked at that inscription. And I thought, where's the future and hope now? And it would take some time for me to process that and realize that Christopher had run his race. He had finished his course and he had been faithful, and I'm running my race as you are running yours. And here's the ultimate future and a hope. It doesn't mean everything is always gonna turn out the way we want it to turn out. But what it does mean is one day we will be in the presence of God. That's the ultimate future and hope for every Christian. It's a win-win situation. 
That's why we want to live our lives in obedience to him because we never know when that day will come. So be courageous, the Lord says to Paul. And he says it to us as well. Remember what brought courage to Paul's heart. Number one, he was not alone. Number two, God knew where he was and why he was there. Thirdly, God had a future for Paul. And as I said, God has a future for all of us. Maybe I'm talking to somebody right now that is gripped with fear and worry. And the words of Jesus to you are, don't be afraid, be of good courage. I can't think of a greater example of courage than Jesus himself when he went and died on the cross for the sins of humanity. He laid his life down. It was raw physical courage as he endured the beating and the scourging and then ultimately the crucifixion. But he also withstood the withering criticisms and the harsh treatment and even temporarily being separated from his father as he bore the sin of the world. But here's a verse that pulls it all together and it applies it in our life. Hebrews 12, it says, we should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is set down on the right hand of God. And then it says, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So if you're discouraged, if you're weary, look to Jesus. Remember what he did for you. And remember that he is with you and you are not alone. Do you feel perplexed and scared? Jesus says, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. And maybe I'm talking to somebody that doesn't have Jesus in their life right now. And that's why it's so hard for you at this moment in time. Well, of course, Jesus didn't stay on that cross. They put him in a tomb and he rose again three days later. It changed everything, and it can change you. He came out of an empty tomb to fill your empty heart. He stands at the door of your life, and he knocks, and he says, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. And I want to close by giving you an opportunity to ask Christ to come into your pain, come into your suffering, or come into your life that's going relatively well right now. And that's great. But sooner or later, this life that we're all living will come to an end. And then there's the afterlife. And we decide in this life where we will spend the afterlife. So let's all make sure that we're ready for heaven. You know, I just flew back to California, but I had to have my ticket, my boarding pass. And now they scan them. And so you go and you take your seat assigned to you. You can't just go on any plane and take any seat you want to sit in. You have to go to your assigned seat that has been paid for. And in the same way, God has a place for you in heaven. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, but you have to have your ticket, so to speak. And you say, well, how do you get this ticket? How much does it cost? Number one, you can't afford it. But it's already been paid for by Jesus when he shed his blood on the cross for you. So just take the ticket and take your seat and you will go to your future destination. And if you're a believer in Jesus, that destination is heaven. But I wouldn't be telling you the whole truth if I didn't say there's another destination and it's called hell. And God doesn't want anybody to go there. That's why he took such drastic measures 
by sending his own son to die in our place so we would not have to go to hell, so we could go to heaven, but we have to accept this gift. And if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you can do it right here, right now. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for everybody that is here and those that are watching, that wherever they are, if they don't know Jesus, if you don't live in their heart yet, let this be the moment they believe, the moment they turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Let this be the moment they believe in Jesus. So I pray that you will help them make that decision. And as our heads are bowed and we're praying, if you want Jesus to come into your life, if you want him to forgive you of your sin, if you want to know that you'll go to heaven when you die, why don't you just pray this prayer after me? And you could pray it out loud if you like. You can pray it in the quietness of your heart if you choose to. But just pray this prayer after me now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on that cross for me. I turn from my sin and I receive you into my life and I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's a pivotal moment for many who've just prayed that prayer. And if you've just prayed with Pastor Greg Laurie and meant those words sincerely, we want to welcome you into God's family. And here at A New Beginning, we want to help you begin growing in your faith. Let us send you Pastor Greg's New Believer's Bible. It's free of charge if you've prayed with him today, and it'll help answer many of the questions you might have. And through the hundreds of additional features, Pastor Greg helps new believers get their walk with the Lord started off right. So ask for the New Believer's Bible when you call 1-800-821-3300. We can take your call anytime, 1-800-821-3300, or go online to harvest.org. Well, Pastor Greg, we're excited to make available your new book called As It Is in Heaven. Yeah. Let me ask you, what are some of the common misconceptions about heaven? Uh, Believers know what the Bible says. What do people outside the body of Christ say about the afterlife? What are some of the common fallacies that we hear? Yeah, good question. Well, I think the problem is a lot of us have our impressions of heaven from movies or art or even cartoons, right? I'm going to sit around on a cloud strumming a harp with a bunch of fat baby angels hovering (laughs) over me, or I'm going to be bored beyond comprehension. Okay, that's all ridiculous. Those are caricatures of heaven. First of all, heaven is a real place for real people to do real things. Uh, Heaven is not some vague mystical thing. It's a destination. It's a place. It's as real as any city you've been to, as any place you've been to. In fact, the Bible says that heaven is a city. Heaven is a country. Heaven is a paradise. So think about a city uh, that you've been to. Now, so many of our cities are filled with crime and, and urban decay and so many problems, but Think about the best city you've ever been to and maybe the nicest restaurant you've eaten in in that city. And and now magnify that many, many times you get a glimpse of heaven. Listen, the Bible says when we get to heaven, as an example, we will eat 
I mean, I think that's literal. We're going to eat. It's called the wedding supper of the Lamb. So you'll be able to sit down with the great patriarchs and matriarchs of Scripture, the men and women of God, and have a meal with them. I mean, you could sit down and say, hey, Martha, could I have another serving of that? Or Peter, could you hand me some more bread? Or hey, Lot, could you give me a little more salt for my meat? (laughs) Oh, Lot, you're so sensitive. Chill, man. I'm just kidding. But you have to read the story of Lot in the book of Genesis to get that weird joke. What about Mama Stella uh, and her biscuits? Yeah, well, Mama Stella is my grandmother. And and I'm wondering if we'll have her biscuits. They were so heavenly. They were <laughs> the most amazing biscuits I've ever had. And and I've never had anyone make biscuits as wonderful as the ones she made. And wouldn't it be great if I could have biscuits with Mama Stella, but I'll not only be reunited with great men and women of the Bible, I'll be reunited with my loved ones who've gone on before me, my grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, my father, my son, Christopher, many friends that have preceded me to heaven. It'll be such a great family reunion. You know, family reunions can be great and horrible depending on what kind of a family you have. And all of us have weird members in our family. Check this out. You might be the weird member in your family. (laughs) Having said that, it is great when you have a good family reunion and you see people you haven't seen for a long time. Imagine how glorious that will be when we're reunited with our loved ones who have preceded us to heaven. But best of all, even more than the great men and women of the Bible, even greater than seeing our loved ones, you'll be with Jesus. And that's what heaven is all about. It's about being with Jesus. So I've written about this and a lot more about the afterlife in my book, As It Is in Heaven. You know where that phrase came from. It's from the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I address topics like what is heaven like? Where is heaven? What will we do in heaven? Will heaven be boring? Uh, And many, many more questions that people have about the afterlife. And I'd like to send you this book, As It Is in Heaven, for your gift of any size, I think it will answer a lot of your questions, and I trust it will be a blessing for you so you can become more heavenly-minded and the best use of that phrase and learn more about this wonderful place God has prepared for us. Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Notice it's a place. Heaven is a destination, and that place he has prepared for you is beyond your wildest dreams. Find out more about it in my book as it is in heaven. We'll send it to you for your gift of any size to help us continue to bring the gospel to people that need it so desperately. Yeah, that's right. And we have a copy waiting for you right now. Not only would this bring you a lot of encouragement and insight, think of it as a gift for a friend, maybe someone who just lost a loved one or someone facing a serious illness. As it is in heaven, we'll send it to you to thank you for your donation right now. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. Call anytime, 1-800-821-3300. Or write A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org. And by the way, Pastor Greg talks more about what's waiting for us in the afterlife in a new podcast available right now at harvest.org and on the Harvest Plus app. 
Look for the title, As It Is in Heaven, a new podcast at harvest.org, the Harvest Plus app, and on other podcast apps. Well, next time, as our Best Of series continues, good insight on living a godly life in an ungodly culture. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. The preceding podcast was made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn how to become a Harvest Partner, sign up for daily devotions, and find resources to help you grow in your faith at Harvest.org.